This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay. And in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and ClearPay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Games I've been happy since like 1992. Oh, okay. <laughs> I imagine you would be happy because we're on the eve of your, your favorite holiday. Yes, we are. Yeah. That, well, that'll be a good time. Independence Day. Mm. What are you going to do for Independence Day? Same thing I do every year, get blackout drunk. <laughs> Don't you play like uh, <laughs> some sort of game where you like take a shot for every president or yeah, something? Yeah, I do that with a few people. Sin and Nate's taking part. And yeah, I blackout almost every year. That's good. Wow. That's good. I, I'm going to, t- to Tahoe. I've never been to Tahoe before. Charles, what are you doing for Independence Day? I'm probably going to play some Dota 2. I know that's a very American <laughs> thing to do. but uh, that's Actually, I don't think so. That's not made by an American company, is it? Uh, is it? Valve is currently making Dota 2 Oh, right that's now. right. That's yeah. right. That's right. You're right. And Andrew, what are you going to do for Independence Day? Probably sleep until noon and then play Lego Batman, I guess. <laughs> maybe if someone's doing something, maybe Colin will invite me somewhere. Hmm. Doesn't you, sound you, gotta, like it. you gotta know about the, you gotta know about the presidents. You gotta be able to scream about the presidents. Yeah, that's we, true. Yeah, Charles has been there. It's it's it. happened before, and it is indeed blackout drunk. Confirmed. Confirmed. <laughs> Sounds a little too intense. If for you're me. if you're outside the U.S., you still have the Fourth of July, and you can still cel- you can celebrate that. Yeah, you should. Yeah, you should celebrate. Just don't go to work. Celebrate the American way. Mm-hmm. Skip work. Have a barbecue. Drink a lot of beer and, and blow shit up. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Oh, we do. Great holiday. It is. It's a lovely holiday. Ladies and gentlemen, this is IGN Gamescube. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. With me this week is Andrew Goldfarb. Hi. Colin Moriarty is here. Punkhead. And Charles Onyet is <laughs> also here. Hello. What is your catchphrase now? <laughs> Punkhead. I thought you said bong hit. Oh, <laughs> bong hit. <laughs> those actually, both of those sounded exactly the same. I could not tell the difference. They're indistinguishable. Punkhead and bong hit. Mm. <laughs> okay. Let's get the bad news out of the way first. Mm. Radical Entertainment, developer of Prototype 1 and 2, and many, many other games, a developer that has been around for a long, long time, 21 years, I think, Yep, has been all but shut down uh, by its parent company, Activision. They were independent for years. They made games for many, many publishers uh, over the years, and then they were bought by Activision in 2005, I believe. Made Prototype 1 and 2, two games for Activision, and they, I thought they sold well. Act, uh, Prototype 2 was the best-selling game in April, the month of its release, and it was released at the very end of April. And then it was like the fourth best-selling game in May, uh, but apparently that's not that's in in today in today's video game environment that's not good enough. Apparently. Yeah, it's kind of scary that it's like being a mid-tier game just doesn't work anymore. Like like we have little indie games and we have like these huge blockbusters, but it's yeah. like it's not okay. That, to that's just not be even like even, that's not even like mid-tier though. That's like you know top-selling for a yeah. certain period. And even if you're at the top of the charts, it's like well you're not cracking the you're you're not a crazy blockbuster type game you know you're not a call of duty style game so it's like why 
why bother? I guess that's that's the corporate. I mean, I'm not saying that's cool. That's really <laughs> sad, actually. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing we saw with like something like Kingdoms of Amalur, where it sold yeah. quite well. Right. Um, and you know, it's still considered by some to be, you know, oh, this is such a failure. It didn't sell anything. It's like, no, it sold. It sold incredibly well, but it needs to sell amazingly well in order to, you know, keep the studio going, which is, it's unfortunate. That just seems to be the environment. Yeah, yeah. I think Radical Entertainment started in 1991, uh, started out making licensed games for Super Nintendo Genesis. They did, like, Beavis and Butthead and Wayne's World. But they also, <laughs> like, made a couple Mario games for Nintendo. Yeah, they Mario was missing. For and the NES and yeah. then Mario's Time Machine yeah. on Super Nintendo. Oh, that's great. Like, they've, they were around for a long time. They have a very uh, rich history that's in the industry. It's sad. I mean, it's sad when any... I think it's sad when any studio shutdowns, even yeah. if you're not crazy about their games, people are losing their jobs, and, and it complicates their lives exponentially. But I will say that... You know, I, I've, I've many times called Prototype the poor man's infamous, and it is. And Prototype and Prototype 2 are not great games. So even if they sold well, like maybe, you know, even though the, and the profit margin must be large for Activision, obviously, because they put all, like, rather than have Raven make a new game, for instance, they just have Raven work on Call of Duty because it makes more money. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think for Activision, they must make, I'm sure they, Prototype and Prototype 2 were profitable, but they aren't making enough profit. And, uh, you know, I just think that, you know, I started Prototype 2 last night, and I, ha- I I really hated Prototype. I thought that game was really balls. And Prototype 2 seems like it's somewhat the same. Like, I'm just, yeah. I, at this point, I'm an hour in or so, I'm just, like, skipping the cutscenes and just playing it, because I'm like, I don't even care about this character, I don't care about the story at all. But the game, I don't know, it, it's it's sad, but it's, it does seem like a, a somewhat uninspired game, but it, it did sell well, and people do like it. I mean, I've got a lot of tweets when I said that I was playing from people that I really yeah. liked it. But I did get some tweets from people that said they, they returned it because they didn't like it, they could not get into it and stuff like that. And I was like, well, so it seems like it's a, a bit of a divisive game as well. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of interesting that, um, so you mentioned they're all but shut down, mm-hmm. and the reason for that is like there are still people technically employed by Radical who are now going to be support staff for Activision. Yeah, working on so, It'll helping helping Activision with other projects. Yeah, exactly. And the PC version is still coming out. Right. That that has been confirmed. Yes, on so that July twenty fourth, I believe. The that version will still it still exists. It will still uh, ship or you know release digitally. And all you PC gamers, after Colin Moriarty's glowing recommendation, can really look forward to that. Well, so, hey, it's just one man's opinion. Some people sure. really like Prototype. Yeah, the fact, yeah, a lot of people do like it. Yeah, um, for sure. But yeah, it'll be interesting seeing, you know, they still have like an office building in Vancouver. It'll be interesting seeing, you know, how long those people stay with Technically Radical or if they're just going to be folded into Activision look, moving forward. Mm-hmm. I will say that it's always nice to see on Twitter. Um, you've seen it a lot, especially when 38... And big, huge clothes or whatever, mm-hmm. um, which they were totally victimized. They did have a great game. Um, but uh, you see, like, retweets almost immediately from people, like, developers being like, we're hiring in the Vancouver area. Mm-hmm. We're looking for these guys. We're looking, and hopefully a lot of these guys who are no doubt very talented will get scooped up by other developers. And that seems to be the case lately. There's a lot of uh, – it's it's like one big team almost, the development industry lately, I've noticed, where people are kind of yeah, it's good. poaching after the fact. And stuff. Yeah, it's really great. Nice. It's like there's a lot of camaraderie. Because, I mean, it's like you look at these people and they're – yeah, if they're with another studio, they're technically competitors. But, like, it, larger than that is the fact that we're all part of this community. It's like a fairly small industry, and I think it's really cool. Yeah. And I will say since since Ryan Geddes was on this mm-hmm. podcast so many times mm-hmm. yeah, that Ryan Geddes has now moved on. And, and he worked at 38 Studios, obviously, and he, he was uh, victimized by that situation. And now he works for CCP. You know, for Dust514. Yep, Dust514, guys. I know it's one guys. of your most anticipated games. It certainly is. So that's that's great news for him. And give us a remind us what that is. This is the tie-in to Eve Online, exclusively for PlayStation Three. Yep, uh, it's a PS3 MMO FPS free-to-play game. Um, that's apparently not uh, pay-to-win. Uh, that remains to be seen. Hmm. Uh, well, I, I think most companies are are making that clear because that is still a general fear. I think with with uh, free to play games, whereas I, you know m- most good free to play games that come out now are not pay to win style, where you can just you know buy your the ultimate set and kill everyone. They're usually uh, designed so that that type of thing doesn't really work. But I, I mean, they still try to make that clear because I think there is still a little bit of a lingering perception that if something is labeled free to play, that there's something iffy going on there. Yeah, and I don't which think that's necessarily isn't, a... isn't true most of the time. Yeah, but, but I, I understand why people feel that way. But I mean, this game seemed the, the, the thing that's cool about Dust Five on Four, and we talk about it a lot on Beyond, is it's if it works the way it's supposed to work, it will be the most ambitious game uh, in in the shooter genre that's ever released, and certainly the most ambitious game on PS3. Um, because it ties directly into the events of EVE Online, which is a totally unrelated game, uh, like space combat game, planetary combat game, uh, on a different 
platform well, and the events of same, Stuff 514. Same fiction, though, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah. Well, the events of one game affect the other in, intimately. But they're very different games. But they're different games, totally yeah. different games. And Charles, EVE Online yeah. is a, a very complicated and involved MMO. It is. A spacefaring MMO that has its own economy. Like, and the economy is so complex that that game has its own magazine. It's, it's basically all player run. So the, the interesting things that happen there are because of the, the creativity of, and dedication of the player base. It's really cool. It's, it's a unique style of MMO. It's totally different. And it is extremely dense, very complex. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to learn there. But uh, for, for the fans who really get into it, it becomes... It becomes pretty much a lifestyle. It's not necessarily, you know, they're not hopping between a whole bunch of different games. You know, they play, they play Eve, and they're, you know, they're really into it. Eve has been around for several years now. Uh, okay, it's, it's been around for a while. Oh, wow. I think it, I think it was 03 when it launched. Oh, wow. I didn't even know. 03 or 04. It's been around for a very long time, and it's 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 built. It, it's it's unique in that it's actually built subscribers as it's gone, as as opposed to spike early and then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then experience a drop off. I don't. I don't think its player base is like World of Warcraft size, but I think it's like around three hundred thousand people. At least that's what it was like a year ago. Yeah, when they, I were, they were saying. Talked to them. They were saying it went over four hundred thousand when I saw them at, mm. to play Dust Five One Four, and I think it's kind of like gone down a little bit. They gave me one of those magazines, by the way, and they right. have an economist, a full time economist that was a professor of, of, of economics at a real university. <laughs> that's awesome. That just studies the economy of Eve, and now he's studying the economy of Dust Five One Four. And one of the fascinating things when you talk, these guys are the most fascinating people to talk to. I think in like the industry that I've ever spoken to because they take game theory so seriously Mm. and they were talking about how they're afraid of inflation in dust 514 this is what they were talking about they're afraid that the people in eve are so rich compared to the people in dust 514 with like their fake Mm. monetary units that they're afraid there's going to be crazy inflation when they when they start dust 514 and so they want to segment the economies until the scale of the economy in dust 514 grows and then meld them back together because they're afraid that people in dust will or that eve will could theoretically scoop up all the items and actually make them worth more hmm. uh, than people in Dust 514 will have the money for. But eventually the economy will just sustain itself. And eventually CCP wants to remove itself completely from the economy so that it just is run by the players like it is in EVE. So there's nothing that like they're basically doing except for selling some cursory items. So it's it's fascinating. CCP is a fascinating, fascinating, serious fucking company. Yeah. <laughs> Dust like, 514 seems very cool, very ambitious, like yeah. you say. And now it's cool that Ryan Geddes is now going to be working on that. Definitely. Very cool. Charles, another big PC game on the horizon is Guild Wars 2. That is a big PC game. People are excited for that one. Like, worldwide. Internationally, that's going to be a huge, huge game. I'm very excited for that as well. And yeah, I've had the opportunity to play in a few beta sessions, and it's it's really good. It is uh, it is a very high-quality, very polished uh, MMO, but also interesting in the number of things it's doing. Uh, with public questing and things like that, it just lets everyone really cooperate in the experience instead of run around and try to exist and... Uh, their own kind of sphere of competitiveness mm. where you run around and you think everyone is trying to steal from you and, and things like that. That's not the case at all. You can just run around and, uh, and and quest together very easily without even necessarily needing to group up into very large-scale encounters, which is really cool when you mm. see that in action. Then you can do PvP, but that's in a in a separate section. I see. And now Guild Wars 2 finally has a release date. It does. And, and it's I th- pretty soon. I thought for a while that they were sort of playing chicken with Blizzard and seeing, mm. as, like, is Miss of Pandaria going to get a release date first, which is the upcoming expansion to world of warcraft and beta testing right now or is guild wars going to get the uh release date first and yeah arena net came out and they and they announced it's at the end of august they're like come at me bro yeah they're just like this is happening and it's soon it is very soon there's one more beta test coming up between then but yeah then it's straight into launch and then that is going to be uh, uh well i mean we'll see how successful it is the original guild wars was very successful sold millions of copies and the way their payment model works is that you buy the base game for full price and then there's no subscription fee after that and they do have a, a system in the game for some sort of uh, microtransaction thing but otherwise there's there is no subscription on the game you just buy the box you're into the game and so they yeah so the release date is august 28th and uh yeah like you said what the one more beta weekend event is uh, july 20th to the 22nd but yeah, I would encourage anyone who's interested in in the most interesting thing, uh, you know, happening in MMOs this year. I think it's Guild Wars Two. Um, the Secret World also started early access today. Nobody is talking about that. that yeah, that's I an can... interesting game. That one, if you pre-order, you you get early access to the game. Yeah, it's a it's starting a, today. It's an early access system uh, based on pre-ordering. So yeah, if you if you do make that purchase, you can you can play now. It officially launches on the third of 
July, and that's that's fun. I mean, Funcom knows how to make an MMO. They've made uh, you know two full MMOs with Age of Conan and Anarchy Online, and uh, this one it has a different sort of setting. But I haven't really played it that much. Just really at preview events and stuff like that, where it seemed cool. Uh, a lot of emphasis on story. I don't know necessarily how the how the combat works because I haven't really sat down and played it for hours and hours and hours. That is really necessary to get a feel for how progression in combat works in an, in an MMO. But mm. I I hope for good things it's just been there's been like no chatter on that game so i don't know really what that says about its fate and funcom actually just announced another mmo recently which i thought was very strange timing it's in in coordination with the lego group and it's like why are you announcing (laughs) why are you announcing a new mmo right before your other mmo launches like that's just i I don't understand the strategy there unless they're just looking for money unless they're looking for investors does anybody play that Lego MMO? Lego Universe, is that what it was? That, uh, that, that is shut down, actually. That, okay. Yeah. That so is, I guess not. That is defunct. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a failure. And that was a really strange failure because it seems so, so well-suited yeah, to Yeah, the Lego an, games an are really popular on consoles. Environment, and they just did not yeah. go about it the right way. Really? Yeah, that was, that was an unfortunate uh, experiment. Yeah, an open world Lego game seems really cool too. Like I'm actually, uh, what's the Wii U one Lego City stories that they showed off during the press conference? It's like GTA with Legos. Like you would think that in an MMO setting, <laughs> yeah, where it was yeah, like yeah. even that pulled back cool. one step further, would be really cool. Yeah, remember the what was the one for DS that was like Ninjago Battles? It was oh, like a strategy yeah. game or something with Legos. I don't know. I forget. That's They've done some really story. interesting stuff. Well, I mean, the best Lego game is still Minecraft, honestly. I mean, that's that's <laughs> what a Lego MMO should be. You just go into a world and can do whatever you want. A destructible, you know, yeah, freeform construction game. That yeah. That's what Lego's always been to me. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why they didn't do that for a Lego MMO, but they have not yet. So we'll, we'll see what happens with Funcom. Assuming there are, isn't some sort of weird trouble brewing there because of that uh, announcement timing. Or maybe I'm just reading too much into that. Maybe. Conspiracy theorist. Perhaps. Which ties in with the secret world. <laughs> anyway, God. Guild War 2, August 28th. Who is reviewing that one, Charles? Are you going to handle that one? Or uh, is that... It, it'll probably be me. I think, uh, yeah. I think I'll have time at that point. And yeah, I think I'm going to start out as Guardian class. Okay, okay, okay. Which uh, is, is pretty cool. Although all classes in that game, the, the way they're building the, the class distribution is they're trying to break down the like holy trinity of the MMO class system. So they're trying to make it so that healer, DPS, or tank isn't uh, essential for each dungeon experience so that every class gets a heal and you can basically roll anywhere in the game with any composition of classes. I don't know if that's going to turn dungeon runs into just a huge mess hmm. um, where nobody really knows their role or if it's actually going to be you know a better way to do it. And that's, that's one of the things I, I hope to find out by playing for a, an extremely long time. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the so I, I have barely played MMOs because I've had a really terrible computer for the past few years. But I've a but new th- one that all changes on Tuesday. Doesn't it, it? it does. Uh-huh. My, my computer shipped out yesterday. It'll be here on Tuesday. Um, what, what, uh, can you say what kind of? Yeah, yeah, I got the the Retina Display MacBook Pro. The wah, new one. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> but well, but I mean, I can do boot camp and I can still I can still dabble in PC gaming. What do you think the barrier of entry is to to Guild Wars Two? Am I going to be able to jump into it, or am I going to be like, what the hell is going on? Um, I mean, I think it is a little bit more advanced game just because the skill system for how you develop your character is pretty complex. Um, but, I mean, I still think it's it's worth getting into and figuring out how it works because it is very well designed. The skills I, the skills, and the, the way your character progresses all seem to, to work in conjunction uh, in a way that gives each profession, as the classes are called in the game, uh, a strong sense of identity. So I, I like that from what I've played in the beta test so far. There's a there's a lot mm-hmm. of uh, versatility to them too because your uh, half of your skill bar actually changes depending on which weapon you have equipped. So for every weapon you can equip on a profession, you have a different skill set, and then the other half of your skill bar is this hugely customizable thing with all these different unlockables and things like that. So there there are a lot of ways to adjust your playstyle. It seems really cool. That actually does sound really interesting. I, I need to pick like the one game I'm going to play. I need to pick like that one PC game I'm going to be. Then it's got to be a Diablo three. You think it should be Diablo three? Yeah, come on. Okay. Diablo, Diablo three is far more accessible. Okay, and it's, right. and it's out now. You can That's play true. it next week. That's what you should do on your Independence Day. Also, it's <laughs> actually, all day. also it's actually on Mac, so you yeah. could you could just mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. All right, Andrew and Colin. You guys have concocted some sort of scheme for when the 3DS XL comes out, haven't you? Yes. There's going to be a transfer of ownership here? <laughs> yeah. Explain this to us. Uh, uh, oh, you can oh, No, after you, please. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I, I'm just going to buy Andrew's 3DS, standard 3DS, for $100. And then since it's, you know, 
ra- rarely used, I assume. Mm. Uh, yeah. And uh, and then he's going to buy it his... It sits out there every day in uh, the guides area. <laughs> That's right. Oh, yeah, for his street pass. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care. I'm never going to do that. Uh, <laughs> the... Uh, and then he's going to put that money, I assume, towards a, a 3ds, whatever the hell. Excel, Excel, yeah. But but our deal is that mm-hmm. um, I I need you can't have the current one until I've had access to my Excel so that I can transfer all my yeah, all my fine. puzzle I'm, pieces. I'm not worried about it. I want to play New Super Mario Brothers and Fire Emblem and, and Professor Layton. Those are basically the three games that I care about that are coming out. Not Castlevania. Uh, yeah, I've heard I, I've heard good things about Castlevania, but I I, I uh, if it was a Castlevania game like a metroidvania game then that would yeah. be a different story but i'm if not you super don't, excited about it though no. if you don't get animal crossing and come visit my town i'm gonna be offended <laughs> as you should be and how much is the 3s xl 199 so you'll get it for 100 bucks basically yeah exactly under this well and anthony right. gallego sells me 40 so i think i'll get it for 60 mm, bucks yeah there you go. i'm scheming with everybody that's good it's good uh and so this week we heard about the the new circle pad that's coming for the 3ds xl <laughs> yeah i'm so i'm i think this is so funny <laughs> like it's like so i i actually have the the circle pad pro on my system now and it, it's just this big cumbersome stupid looking thing it works in like i played resident evil with it and since then i haven't like there's no reason for it to be on my system you can't use yeah. it on menus you can't do so anything remind with us what? the 3ds only has one circle pad yeah so that it doesn't have a dual analog scheme right. so nintendo released this accessory called the circle pad it's a cradle Twice. yes <laughs> but, yeah exactly it's, like, it's this cradle that the system fits into that's powered by a triple a battery so it has its own separate really? power supply yeah. <laughs> so and, I didn't know that. and uh That's yeah awesome. you, you put your 3ds on it and it, it like has the uh ir bar on the back and, and the 3ds reads it and if, if the game supports it you can usually turn it on from a menu and then have second analog but the second analog stick it's the right stick is um like really loose like it has no resistance to it, it. doesn't feel like the left stick exactly left so pad. it's like they're different it, it, it's like really weird playing through a game because like you you like are trying to turn to look to your right and you just like turn immediately all the way and it, hopefully on this new one that they're releasing for the xl it'll they'll fix that they'll just make it identical to the left stick but the best way to make it identical to the left stick would be to have it on the damn system yeah especially it's when so they funny. make a larger system that yeah. has more space and it's like oh yeah yeah we can't fit a second circle <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, like, we, we have to blow out this low resolution game anyway on this giant screen so weird. but that's not what's most funny what's most funny now is that they have this 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 new you know add-on that is now fucking huge right like this yeah. makes the th- this makes the 3ds xl the size of a tablet basically it's just like yeah. atari Lynx size now like, <laughs> yeah it really is it's, it's really funny it's like the size of a game gear actually i saw someone compare it to like that's totally what it'll look like nintendo's a comical company everyone knows that yeah and, sure. and, but like we you can't really make fun i mean they make money you can't except for last quarter but you, you can't you can't make fun of them too much because they clearly know what they're doing uh, yeah, I, at I, least in the sometimes market. I'm not so sure. But well, I think some of these things are happy accidents, and I, I, I re- like we said, we said with, about Wii U. I think the happy accidents are about to end. But yeah. we, but uh, but uh, 3DS, no matter what happens with Wii U, 3DS is, is a massive success. Is, is absolutely clobbering the Vita, which is a shame because mm-hmm. the Vita is like the best handheld ever. Uh, yeah, I agree. And uh, you know, so you like this, Colin? I, yeah. yeah I, I, this, the Circle Pad is called the Circle Pad Pro, yeah. which I think is hilarious. Cause what I said on Twitter, you know, uh, something about like. When you, when you need a second circle pad, reach for the one the pros use, the circle pad pro. But then one of my clever followers uh, up to, went up to me. He said, when you need a second circle pad, reach for the one the pros use, the PlayStation Vita. <laughs> I thought sure, that was pretty just, good. It just seems Nintendo is terrified of putting a second analog stick on there. There, there's just some, I don't know, maybe if it's a sales thing, if they figure that's, that is an instant way to turn off a certain audience if there's yeah, a second I mean, stick you know, on there. Yeah. That second stick is, does cause problems for people who don't play a lot of video games, right? So. Oh, yeah. I've, I've, and, uh, my, my, uh, my ex uh, could not play with yeah. dual analog sticks. Like, she didn't understand. She was great at Mario. She's great at all these things. But you give her, you give her like, a, a camera that you can control on both axes, and she has no idea what to do with it. Yeah, the interesting so. thing for me with this is, like, right now, you can't even buy the Circle Pad Pro right now. Like, it's, like, it was, like, a limited run. It's very difficult to find in stores, and if if I'm thinking correctly, I don't think any first-party game has actually used it yet. Like, uh, Kid Icarus Uprising, you can, if you're a left-handed gamer, you can use the Circle Pad Pro and just use that stick, but there's no actual dual analog support for it. So it's like I don't. It's actually really surprising to me that Nintendo would release the peripheral again. But we'll see if it comes to the U.S. This seems like a Japan-only thing to me. Think so? <sighs> that's it, good stuff. I mean, that's good. Is, we can't deny that that's good stuff. That the, you know, Nintendo does give us a lot of things to laugh about. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you it's know, true. they're afraid of uh, the internet. 
Yeah, uh, it's a very scary They place. don't like. Uh, they want to bring friend codes back, which is cool. Yeah, um, they're simplified now, I'm Colin. S- I'm <laughs> sensing sarcasm <laughs> in, in your delivery here. No word on an achievement system for Wii U yet. That's what I. That's what I want to know the most. Is there going to be a, if there's not achievements on that thing? Yeah. They, they hi- so they hired a guy yesterday. They announced this. They they hired this guy Duncan Oral Jones and his oh yeah his the job. online guy. That's yeah. kind of cool. So he is the senior vice president of network business. He re- he reports directly to Reggie, and his whole thing is to to flesh out their online thing. So we'll see what happens with that. I'm I'm interested in that because they are certainly in last place with that. Yeah. <clears throat> if the Wii U had some sort of achievement system, what should Nintendo call it? I'll, I, I'll start the suggestion. Uh, coins. Mm, coins would be very right? smart. Mm. You earned a coin. That doesn't sound very impressive. You could tie into Club Nintendo. You earned twenty coins. coins. You 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 earned fifty coins. If it was a real currency, like trophies and achievements should be, like something yeah. you can actually that was, trade that's in. the thing. That's the thing. Yeah, right? I don't yeah. understand why that hasn't been transformed into, a virtual, you, into a virtual currency yet. That seems like such an easy thing to do. Reward you for my, playing, you know, lots of games by giving you little small stuff, avatar yeah, items, exactly, XBLA games, stuff like that. I have my Xbox Live Diamond card downstairs, which which was supposed to be that like early on in the life of the Xbox 360. That's what they pitched, and then it just yeah. never really came to fruition. But I agree, that would be awesome. And, and Nintendo is like the company to do it too, because you know people would like. Sit and farm a thousand hours. I got a raccoon tail. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, that's what people want. Yep. But yeah, yeah, I think coins is actually that. I don't think there's. They should have made the me characters look like like Mario characters, like in that world, like make yourself yeah. in sort of like a Mario world character. Well, and that's that's kind of the problem with New Super Mario Brothers. You, it's like you're running around. It's like you're Mario and some dude wearing a Wario hat. It's just like so <laughs> weird. Like, <laughs> uh. all right. This is Sean Reynolds from Hereford, England. He says, uh, what is your all-time favorite console minus the Super Nintendo? Why minus the Super Nintendo? Yeah, why his, is Super Nintendo? Oh, his, mine he, is. His, I thought he said minus the Super oh, Nintendo. Oh, no, he says like, mine <laughs> is. <laughs> Discounting the greatest console. <laughs> uh, favorite consoles? You know, I, uh, I came up on the NES, but I may have to say the Xbox 360. I, you know, pretty much every single day of my life, I get home from work and I turn on my Xbox 360 and it's on until I go to bed. You know, I'm either playing games or I'm watching Hulu Plus or, you know, it's, I love the Xbox 360. It's great. I mean, I, I don't think Vita is my answer, but that's how I feel about Vita. Like every day I go home, I watch Netflix on it. I, I play something on it every day, but I don't think like, I, I think I have to say Super NES as well, because that's, that was like my childhood. Like yeah. I, we, my sister's older and we sold her NES and, and bought me a Super Nintendo and I just played it forever, and then we. But it, it sucked. It's like we. I sold that to buy my Nintendo sixty four, and then it was like I'd lost that whole great library of games. But yeah, to me, I have to say SNES. Yes. Uh, in in terms of fondest memories for a system, I mean, I would say Super NES. In terms of like impressive catalog, PS two, Super NES. Th- those are where it's at. There's just mm-hmm. so many games to play, and in terms of role playing games and things like that, I would. I I loved those systems, but in college, I had a GameCube as as something that was sort of my primary system. And if I wanted to play role playing games, I would break out the PS One, I would break out the PS Two, and play by and and play by myself. But I I wanted to do something with the other people that I lived with in college. Then I would break out the GameCube, and we would play Smash Brothers, and we would mess up each other's Animal Crossing towns, and we would, <laughs> you know, play, uh, you know, Mario Kart and things like that, and that was just so much fun, and it, it was something that, um, you know, I don't think a lot of people bring up the GameCube, but it actually had a really excellent I liked the library in, the, I liked in the these types of con- conversations, and st- then it had titles like Metroid Prime that were just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I like the, the GameCube a lot. Colin, favorite console? Uh, I'd say the NES, followed yeah. closely by PS1. Um, mm. I, PS1, I, I think, indisputably was the RPG 
uh, Golden Age and so Xeno Gears. Yeah, Xeno Gears. <laughs> was like Tales of Destiny and Wild Arms and all all these great games, Threads of Fate and Vagrant Story and Final Fantasy Tactics and Tactics Ogre and uh, there was just a fucking million. There was, it was like every month there was a huge RPG for like you know Breath of Fire three like for like five years. It just didn't stop. Should we qualify that as the the Golden Age of Japanese RPGs? Yeah, yeah, RPGs. Yeah, I feel sure. like we're now we're in a renaissance of Western RPGs. Oh, for sure, yeah, for sure. Definitely. But that was like that was a very like PC. You know, at the time, yeah, yeah like uh, we didn't have anything like that really, and uh, and then uh, honestly, I think third place would be a tie between SNES and PS3. I think PS3 has, has those enough. are very different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think SNES for you know, I think a lot of great first party offerings, a lot of classic, especially Square and NX RPGs. Mm. Act Razor is one of my favorite games of all time, so that's on SNES. Yeah, but. Uh, PS3, I think, has an amazing library of games, especially an amazing library of, of exclusives. And um, I think PS3, it, when we look back on the PS3 in 10, 20 years, I think it's going to be quite well remembered for some of its games. Uncharted, Infamous, Resistance, sure. Killzone, all these games. Yeah. This is Kyle. He's got a question I think Charles can help him out with. Oh, okay. He says, this question is mostly for the PC-inclined pod- podcasters like the Raging Canadian himself. <laughs> How much influence do popular mods like Armitu's DayZ have in the industry? Dota started out as a mod in Warcraft 3. I was wondering if the Scoop crew knew of any other notable games that have their roots in mods. Well, nearly everything Valve has ever done has been rooted in a mod, aside from mm-hmm. Half-Life. Um, I mean, Counter-Strike started as a mod. Dota started as a mod. Um, you know, a, a lot of a lot of new ideas come from that community, and then and then people sort of pick on, up on it after that. Same with Team Fortress. Was Left 4 Dead? Uh, Left 4 Dead was with Turtle Rock, and Valve eventually this. sort of got on board there. Okay, wasn't uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Raven a modding a modder? Uh, a, studio. A lot of studios have have come out of the mod community that are now you know big studios. Splash Damage, for instance, is a good example uh, with with enemy territory, and now you know they with Brink. That not, I know not a lot of people liked Brink. I actually kind of liked it. Yeah, I remember <laughs> we, we played it, we played it a couple years ago in Utah together. Um, but I uh, yeah, Ra- I think Ra- wasn't isn't that why Raven is in Wisconsin still? Is because they moved they were there because that's where it was like back in the day, and they were like. They were modding Doom or something like that, or yeah, Doom Two, and, and, and coming then, out of that community in the in the old you know PC community, everyone's just modding that stuff, and that's that's how they get attention. That's how they get all day long. That's just how mod, they mod, mod. that's how they get picked up, and it's like, hey, we, you know, some people could say, oh, I'm so talented, I can do stuff. It's like, yeah, well, guess what? We just made a game. Here it is. Here's here's evidence that we know what's up. We know how to make a cool experience, and then you know, it gets picked up from there. You see a lot of those ideas come out of that community from people who are really self motivated to be like, no, I can do this better, and then they do it. And then there you go. That's yeah. that's how it turns into uh, full fledged games, and you see a lot of that, especially now in the PC scene. Since I think it's getting more attention these days, especially I think Minecraft had a lot to do with that. Mm. Um, but uh, you know, self starters, people who are just like, I know, I know how to do this better, and uh, it's finally getting more more. I mean, it's always gotten exposure, but it's getting more exposure now, especially since what we were talking about earlier, where the big budget development scene is really sort of coalescing around these massive titles. Um, so there's, there's less room there for experimentation because even if you make a game that is, you know, that would be normally considered successful, you're still going to get shut down. Yeah. It's kind of a sad reality. Yes. So the, the community, the PC community though, it's so amazing what they produce. Like if you look at some of those Minecraft mods, if you look at some of these like crazy mods people have done, and I thought it was really cool that this week when the meet the pirate video came out, now Valve has its actual like animation software. So people are making source like, filmmaker. Yeah. That's so cool. Like, I mean, it, it's that like. People are making these like incredible cutscenes and animations with their, or they will make incredible things with that, and that's that like changes everything. Yeah, like, I and, think that's amazing. And part of the reason Valve has such, I mean, Valve makes very high quality games, so that's certainly part of it. But part of the reason Valve has such a a reputation in the industry is because they do reward their creative player base with, you know, in Team Fortress Two and Dota, their user submitted ideas. You know, they go into the game if approved, and then people profit from that. So. They, they've really developed a pipeline where they will give the tools to the community and they will reward the community or and it, let them you know, go off and, and really show off their stuff with the tools that they provide. It's, yeah. a, it's a really cool model. That, that is. That's so awesome. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to see what people, like, what people do with that filmmaker because it's like you don't, it, you don't need motion capture or anything and you can make these like, awesome cutscenes that people can use or just little short films or whatever. Like, I think that's Yeah, really the fact cool. that it's free is, is very impressive. Yeah, for sure. This, this next listener has a name... It's going to be difficult to pronounce. It looks like a, it looks <laughs> like a Star Wars character. Usually I would ask Greg to pronounce this, but Charles, I wonder if you would take a crack at pronouncing this listener's All name. All right. Do I have to yell it? No, nope, you don't have to yell it. 
I'm going to go with uh, Suradeep Bhattacharya. Let's do that. That's good. All yeah. right. Sounds good enough to me. <laughs> he says, uh, I wanted to know why you didn't live blog at any of the events this E3. I did luckily get a faster net connection this year and thus was able to live stream all the conferences, but I always depended on the live blogs for my up-to-the-minute E3 coverage. Thanks and scoop. So I think we sort of agree that live blogging is uh, sort of an outdated way of covering these events, especially now that we do live stream them. And in the moment any news is announced in, the sh- in, in, the, uh, in a conference, we have a news story up immediately on the site. And so we're individually newsing all these stories. The live blogging is kind of clunky and, you know, it's like... You're, the person at the event is like scrambling to type this stuff up, and it's sort of it just looks. It's kind of like garbage. It's like filled with typos, and it's sort of hard to <laughs> read and follow. And you can just watch the stream now, right? Yeah. And then you have like concise news stories detailing all the news uh, of the event. So that's the thing. Like number one, I mean, he talks about a bad internet connection. Like the internet connections at these conferences are sometimes terrible. So yeah. like live blogs go down and crash, and you can't do anything with them. And it's funny because uh, we use the term blog roll a lot. That's basically the front page of IGN. That's like our, our list of stories mm-hmm. at any given time. And during one of these conferences, like in addition to live streaming it, just go to the front page of IGN and, and that, you know, list of stories essentially serves as a live blog anyway. Yeah. Did we, we started live blogging events because we couldn't video them, but now we can. So that sort of makes that unnecessary. Yeah. And I still did. I still did a, like a sort of de facto live blog on my Twitter account. Yeah, you can also yeah. do that too. Yeah. Just to, just, you know, to get people, some, some people that maybe are at, I know, like I got a lot of thank yous from people that are like, I'm at work and mm-hmm. I can't watch this. So. Thank you for telling me how shitty Wonderbook it was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Wonderbook is such a disaster. Yeah, I think it's a good point that Twitter, you know, Twitter wasn't around back then either. Like, Twitter is actually a really good way to just do, sure. like, a quasi-live blog anyway. This is Andrew. from it's me. Ed- from Edmonton. Oh, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> Did says, I email myself? No. <laughs> Damn it. He says, hey, guys, on the last podcast, Colin said to talk with your wallet to protest a developer's decision in a game. I'm a big supporter of this idea, but how do you get your point out there when the game still sells millions of copies? For example, I didn't buy Diablo 3 because I didn't support the Always Online game, but it still sold 3.5 million in the first 24 hours. So even though I spoke with my wallet, I don't think they will really care. Any ideas on what I can do instead to show my disapproval? But that's the whole system, Andrew, right? Sure, you you chose not to, but 3.5 million other people, it wasn't an issue to them, so... Yeah, that, I that's, mean, that's how the market works. I mean, uh, yeah, I, exactly. It's a market force, and you know, you're still speaking yourself, and it's kind of more of a. Um, it doesn't have to be like this thing where you're trying to bring a company down or like tank a game. It's like really you speaking in the way and in, in, in the most eloquent way you can, which is with your money, because that's all they really want. So, you know, they might not care that you know Diablo sold millions of copies or whatever, but there might be a million people like you, and and they might know that, and they might have for, independently forecast that they were going to get you, and they didn't, and so that does matter, you know, and. You see people speaking with their wallets with a lot of games. Look at Madden. I, I like Madden's still big, but I don't think Madden's nearly as big as it used to be. And I think people are like certainly starting to sour on on certain games and certain franchises, and it's going to be a trend. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's not one year, one game. It's going to be it's a, it's a process, and that is the way you speak. And and we'll see. I mean, you can you can do more speaking uh, with your wallet on the topic of Diablo 3's uh, online connectivity because you could go buy Torchlight. Uh, Torchlight Two when that's ready, which is supposed to go. be by the end of the summer. If that, I mean that that is that is basically the whole anti Diablo block of action RPG fans who are saying this online is you know crap. Why do I have lag in my my you know quote unquote single player game? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, go buy Torchlight. That is the answer there. If you did not, you know, a lot of people bought Diablo anyway just because they love Diablo One and Diablo Two. Yeah. If you know, support Torchlight, make sure that game is a success. That's that's how you, you counterbalance that to show that, yes, there is interest in, you know, the 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 games that aren't as high profile and that do support an offline mode. Speaking of Torchlight, I was going to recommend it with this next email. This is okay. Dominic from Germany. He says, can you recommend any games that you can easily play without sound? I like to listen to podcasts a lot. Uh, like this one from IGN. My favorite games to play while listening to podcasts are Diablo 3 and Minecraft. What else would you suggest? I was going to suggest Torchlight for sure. Yeah, the, I mean, those games, They some of them do have a cool sound, and actually Diablo 2 has a really good soundtrack, so I do like listening to that. But eventually, at some point, it turns into... If you're playing an action RPG, you're just kind of going, you, you know, your combat yeah. routine, you you're have, going it, across. It, it, it becomes a routine for you're, sure. You're in a dungeon that you've been in like 17 times before. And it's just like, I'm just going to kill stuff and listen to, you know, some kind of death metal and or classical music or <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever you like doing classical while killing. Death yes. Metal. 
Anything like that. Or really high-intensity first-person shooters that aren't necessarily as sound-dependent if you don't have to worry about somebody, like, sneaking up behind you or something like yeah. that. That's true, too. Yeah. I do, um, I think, feel like I'm the only person who does this, but I play a lot of open-world games without playing the missions. Like, I'll probably buy that new Spider-Man game and just swing around New York City while I listen to my nerdy Irrational Interviews podcast or whatever, <laughs> whatever. Um, but, yeah, like, that's always been... I used to play... Um, the Katamari games a lot too like as, as awesome as the soundtracks in those games are and as adorable as they are like after a long time of like knowing all those songs by heart I would start just like rolling around while I listen to this podcast I, I like to do like a little bit more like mindless games while I'm while I'm listening to music or podcast this is Dante he asks how will you review games that all come out on the PS3 Xbox and Wii U come this fall Big multi-platform games that have come out for PS3 and 360 have shared a review score and write-up on your site in the past. Do you anticipate Wii U multi-platform games requiring a separate review solely based on the tablet functionality? I mean, I think what we normally do, like, their game, for example, uh, the new Magic the Gathering game that just came out, you know, we have uh, the same reviewer look at both versions, and then in the iOS version, you know, they'll, they'll talk about the touch controls or talk about things that are specific to that platform. And I would suspect, unless it's like a dramatic difference, unless there's a game that like really you need the gamepad and everything totally changes, I would suspect that like, uh, you know, Colin might take a look at Mass Effect 3 when it comes out on Wii U, you know, play through it and make sure it's basically the same feature wise and then maybe add a special section to that review, you know, paragraph or two about how the gamepad stuff works. Mm -hmm. That's how I would imagine it'll it'll play. I don't know if we've even really had talks internally about about that yet so I don't but in, if you look at the past when games used to come out for PS3 360 and Wii typically the Wii would have a fairly different review yeah for sure yeah for sure yeah I think I think uh, I think it's gonna be a case-by-case basis I think yeah. something like Arkham uh, City or whatever will be yeah uh, they're not just gonna copy the review over from from the yeah, 360 and PS3 yeah. yeah I think case-by-case basis is is probably the best assumption there because if something it's like you have an optional control method with some kind of motion slash touch control then that's one thing. But if it's required and it completely changes the gameplay experience, then that's a whole different story. Then you've got, you know, a game that, that essentially functions in a totally different way. Yeah, like Darksiders, for example, they've talked about how the it'll be the same game, but on the gamepad you'll have your inventory screen. It'll be a little different. But, like, that's a game where you could, I, I would imagine, you know, without knowing specifics, I would imagine that the review itself would probably be similar, but you'll maybe talk about the inventory system mm-hmm. in one little section. Lorenz needs some help picking a laptop. All right. Red display MacBook Pro. Just <laughs> get a desktop. <laughs> he says, I'm going to university in September. Need a new laptop. I can spend around $1,000 and would like to use the laptop for gaming as well as schoolwork. Do you have any suggestions for what laptop I should get, what I should be looking for? Well, I haven't looked a lot at laptops recently just because for the price that you pay for portability in terms of uh, – you know, in terms of getting something that has decent hardware in it that could actually play – uh, I guess higher higher uh, requirement games. Um, you could buy an awesome desktop with much more powerful stuff, and you mm-hmm. could swap it in and out, and it would last a. Lo- you could swap uh, parts in and out, and it would last a much longer period of time. So I would definitely recommend looking at a desktop, and then just buying like a netbook or something like that if you need it for class to type notes and things yeah. like that. Um, I would not recommend using a laptop as a primary gaming device. For instance, I bought a M11X before they were discontinued uh, from Alienware. I still have it. It's great. I basically use it as a word processing machine at this point. It does run Diablo 3, though, Hmm. Uh, so that was pretty nice. And that was around a grand, um, a little more expensive just because I I made some upgrades on it. I probably paid too much for that. And, uh, you know, in, in hindsight, I probably should have just gotten a laptop that, uh, um, that, that just serves the purpose of, of inputting text into. And I know Goldfarb is wants to throw something. No, I really don't. I I think, I think that's totally smart. I mean, I, I just spent the, so this, the laptop I just bought is the most I've ever spent on anything in my life. They're just they're so they're so expensive for what you're getting, and I just I I hate the idea of just spending so much more money for portability that's just going to become outdated that much faster. Sure, I, yeah, I totally agree. My big thing is that I just wanted uh, like my computer was really bad, and like I used to be really into video editing, like in late high school, beginning of college. Like I, I used to love editing video, and I had like a license for Final Cut Pro and. Like, my computer has been so bad that I'm just, like, really looking forward to being able to, like, dive back into that universe. But, um, I, yeah, I, I think Charles nailed it. I, I think it's, like, use your money smartly, and, and that seems to be a desktop, especially if you're trying to keep it to under a grand. I also just want to say I'm really enjoying all of the PC talk on this podcast. And people should keep in mind that Charles has resurrected the Command Prompt podcast in video form, and you can see it on IGN.com. That's true. 
That's true. It is. We have put together an episode of Command Prompt, which is a years ago uh, IGN PC podcast that probably five people remember. But, I listen. Uh, <laughs> I, listen to, I remember Jason Ocampo talking about detail, like crazy detail on these PC games, and I had no idea what was going on, but I just really enjoyed it. Okay. Well, <laughs> um, for for other people, then we'll we'll know what I'm talking about. But yeah, that will. It's it's now basically a video series where we play like three PC games and then and talk over top, and it's more conversational and less about this is exactly how everything works in the game. So we'll we'll see how that goes. I would I would like to continue to do it as as a series. I think it's useful. This is Frederick Balesteros, which is a, a fabulous name. That's a great name. Says, uh, thanks for the awesome podcast. How hard is it for companies to make special editions of games? Today I tried to pre-order Borderlands 2, the ultimate loot edition for my brother for his birthday, because he's never had a special edition, and that is his favorite game. But alas, I could not, because they are already sold out. The game is almost three months away from its release. Is it really that hard to make more? If they make more, it's not very special. That's the thing. It's like it's, the whole idea is that it's a limited edition, right? That's what's so, I mean, so you look back at, like, the Halo 3 launch, and people bought this legendary edition for, like, I think it was, like, 150 bucks or whatever, and, like, those things, like, slowly, like, now you can get one for, like, 40 bucks because they're just everywhere and there are piles of them, but then you have stuff like the Fallout 3 Survival Edition that Amazon sold, which is, like, you can't get a sealed one of those for less than $1,000. Like, I mean, they're, like, they were super limited run, and they're hard to get, and I, I think... uh you kind of see both ends of the spectrum. I, I personally prefer when it's limited. I, I like the idea of, like, I got in in this game early, and I'm rewarded by having this, like, rare copy that comes mm-hmm. with something cool. Charles, do you know, is the Ultimate Loot Edition the one, the big box, that there's only, like, 200 copies of or something? I don't know the exact run numbers on that, like, in terms of number produced. Okay. Yeah, I don't know the numbers. I know it comes in, like, a big, like, loot box, and it has, yeah. like, a bobblehead with it and stuff. Like, I, it I really didn't cool. order one. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, think I usually are... don't order special editions um, I, I, just I, because I... they're really expensive, and all of the ones that I've ordered in the past just wind up the stuff that's in them. Like, if there's, oh, you get an extra bobblehead, or, you know, LOL, their game disc is a different color. Um, <laughs> they wind up just sitting on a shelf somewhere, and then yeah. eventually they have, like, an inch of dust, and then I throw them out. And it's like, I, I'm just, I'm not into collecting I'm not, I those type of things that hard. I know some I people, know Andrew I know some people are way into that type of thing, and I, I totally respect that. That's awesome. It's just, it's not something that really, that really captures my attention. So I, I yeah. usually just get the game. I have to like out for like I have them for the two Fallout games. Um, oh man, am I going to buy the Bioshock Infinite one? But, like, <laughs> oh I, man! <laughs> oh boy! Like, I yeah, I, I pretty much agree. Like I I very like I didn't pick up any of the Mass Effect limited editions or anything. Like it really has to be a franchise I'm like super excited about if it's something new or something where like I I loved the first two and the third one's coming out. You know, this, things along those lines. I like getting the extras, but yeah, like I would say like nine times out of ten, I buy just the standard sixty dollar edition. I, I am more interested in the gameplay than having a, you yeah. know, a, a big daddy with a busted drill arm sitting oh, on so my uh, sitting on my desk or something <laughs> like that. Just a couple more emails here. This is Cody. He asks, "What was the last game you played on the last generation of consoles? So PS2, Xbox, GameCube, oh, Scarlet Sword, or Twilight Princess? You played that on GameCube? Yeah." Wow. That's probably a good call because the camera worked. Yeah, well, so I, I, I'm kind of cheating though because I played it on Wii and I was like, oh man, I don't know all these motion controls, and I went back and played it on GameCube. I don't think that's cheating. So yeah, that, that was the last that time is I cheating. That confirmed. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't know what the Charles last game I played. Charles throwing a flag on the field. <laughs> Yellow card. Uh, probably me was Disgaea Two on PlayStation Two. Mm. That was probably the last one that I, that I played. Colin Charles. I don't remember. I have really? no idea what the last game I played on. On an older, I, I mean, I I actually play. Uh, oh no, I guess that's not. No, I have no idea. I don't know. You're gonna say Super Smash Brothers on Wii? I was, but that's it's on Wii. It's not on GameCube. We just okay. use GameCube controllers, yeah, that's because true. that's all that really makes. That sense. That was fun in my house the other the other week, by the way. That's true. Uh, I think in terms of time, it was Metal Gear Solid Three, um, mm-hmm. which I played for like two hours, and I was like, I really don't like this very much. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, and and I, I assume I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's a tough question. I know. It's, yeah. it's been Sorry a while. to put you on the spot. Yeah. Cody. Cody put us all on the spot Cody, here. damn you. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Here we go. He said, this is Chris Sims. The reason I'm writing is because I recently developed an easy way for gamers to find and make friends who play the same games on my IGN. The task may have been a bit too tedious for some to search for friends, so I decided to write this blog that will allow IGN users to easily find the particular game they want to play online and come across others who play the game as well. 
And Chris is looking for some promotion on this. I checked out the blog. It's pretty cool. It's like a list of uh, Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 games that have like multiplayer. And then for each game, uh, you, all you have to do is like send Chris Sims a message, and he'll add your gamer tag or a, P- P- a PSN name underneath that 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 game. And then so you can like find each other that way. So it's pretty that's, cool. That's a really cool idea. This my agent user is uh, Wild Guy 3922. Wild guy thirty nine twenty two. So just go to his blog and check that out, and then that's how you can find other IGN uh, users to play games with. I'm gonna make a suggestion that Chris Sims adds Vita games because then I can maybe find he will, people yeah. to play Unit thirteen with. Yeah, maybe he will. Yeah, what what games are you playing on Vita? Is it Unit thirteen? Have you just been playing that for like three months or whatever? <laughs> well, long I started really late. Like, um, yeah, I I just borrowed Unit thirteen from Colin during E three, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I've been I've been playing that a lot. But yeah, I mean, you I played Luminous too, right? I played Luminous for so long that I missed like most of the launch games. So then I went back and played Uncharted and Rayman and Marvel vs. Capcom, and I kind of dug through the launch lineup. And then um, now, now I played Resistance, I played Gravity Rush, and I went back now and playing Unit 13. I have Metal Gear Solid HD Collection downloaded on my system. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of games to play. Yeah. It's just uh, nothing super, super compelling. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I personally, I think Gravity Rush has plenty of problems, but like it, it's, in my opinion, worth buying the system for. I think that's such a great game. I think it's it's unfortunate that some camera and control stuff keeps it from being like a truly like like a masterpiece, but like a, it's really really fun. Seems to have some yeah. very creative ideas. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, like that's a game where like oh, if, like if they make a sequel, it could be so good. I think uh, Escape Plan, Super yeah. Stardust, mm. and Super Rayman Stardust Origins are probably the best three games on the system. Yeah, what's, what's going to be the next great Vita game? I don't know. I I, I think everyone needs to keep an eye on Dragon's Crown. Uh, that doesn't come out till early next year, unfortunately. That that's a that's that game's from Vanillaware, and that game's gonna be mm, fucking. Exactly. That game looks fucking awesome. Cinemora oh, looks a, really well, good. Cinemora is gonna be beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cinemora. Yeah, um, some, like I said the last week, I think Sunflowers. I think is gonna be really cool. There's, I think there's a bunch of stuff uh, that's in the pipe that we'll probably hear about at TGS. I mean, that's my my thought. Um, you know, I, I think, hope so. I think. Uh, <laughs> I, there, I mean, there, Persona Four, the Golden's cool. There's a lot of games coming out in Japan that we're not getting here too um, soon. Like Gundam came out, which was pretty big, um, one of the best selling games of Japan two weeks ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a slow trickle. I mean, we just don't know. Killzone, uh, is on the horizon. You assume some of the internal studios like Evolution and a few of the other guys, Bend, are working on Vita games. Yeah, and the Assassin's Creed game looks really, really cool. Uh, Assassin's Creed Liberation looks great. Um, there's supposedly somewhere in the ether a Bioshock game. We don't know if that'll really ever happen. Yeah, that's weird that that wasn't mentioned in yeah. E3 at all. I don't think let's it's let's even get Infinite yet. first, yeah, and exactly. then let's worry about Bioshock Vita. <laughs> I, I agree 100%. I think, they, I think they put the cart in front of the horse with that one, because I'm not... I'm yeah. not I'm not 100% positive that game's ever going to come out. So. I agree 100%. And I think it's like, uh, it's funny because now we have Big Daddy and Little Big Planet Vita. Oh, and Little Big Planet Vita is another one, actually. Yeah, but, people are stoked yeah. about that. Beta's yeah. underway right now. Me too. I'm um, not a Little Big Planet fan, so. Oh, man. I think that game looks great. And, and Greg was pointing out there's a, a new thing called the Memorizer, which is that you can allow people to save in your games. So you can build a Little Big Planet, like RPG, mm. and people can play through part of it and have a save point and then come back to it, which is awesome because, is like, really cool. Greg was pointing out that, like, that means. Little Big Planet can essentially be the Vita's app store with a bunch of free games in it. Like, I think that's really, really cool. I'm just skeptical of any game that, any Little Big Planet game that Media Molecule's not working on. Um, sure. Because they're not really working on that game at all. And they, and they were they were very clear that they don't want to work on Little Big Planet anymore. So, um, so we'll see uh, what they're, they're working on, like, two projects, I think, right now. Yeah. So we'll see. That story went up this week on IGN.com. Charles, do you think there's any truth to the rumors that development of uh, Bioshock Infinite isn't, is, 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 isn't going very smoothly? Oh, I would imagine it's not going smoothly. Yeah, I mean, I probably uh, the the delay would indicate that you know maybe they they've certainly been talking a lot about that game. There's been a lot of detail. They've shown it off a couple times. It's looked amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, I don't know how all those gameplay systems are going to interact. We still haven't. The press has not been given a hands-on demo yet. We have not been able to play the game. Uh, so I would imagine you know there's a lot of work being done on. Uh, just making all the systems work together properly like how do all of the different power-ups you can use combine with elizabeth's crazy world-altering powers i have no idea like they've shown stuff that seems very scripted so that they can just give you an idea Mm -hmm. of what's going on but in terms of mechanically how that's going to work moment to moment i don't know and that's the fact that we don't have those answers yet would lead me to believe that that is probably what they're working on right now is figuring all that out. Yeah. Charles and I were talking about this last week. It's like it's really going to be interesting seeing like, I mean, we know plasmas have been replaced by Vigors and tonics have been replaced by Nostrums. And there's all these cool little like they talked about how Nostrums now instead of like having a, a track and you, you fill it with five tonics like it was in Bioshock. Now you're going to have these Nostrums that you you 
take one or drink one or whatever whatever way you have of getting it into yourself, and it's a permanent addition to your character. And then there are some that are unstable where it's one of three things. But like we haven't actually seen how all, the, all of these things play out and how like uh, how you're gonna keep track of like I, I've taken twelve different nostrums and how are they affecting my character? And like we haven't actually seen. I, I think you're absolutely right. We haven't seen like how the actual like mechanical gameplay is going to work because yeah, like all those demos are so scripted like i mean everything they've shown yeah, is like, like they look amazing but then how do you how would you actually play that because it's exactly. so complicated and crazy yeah and it's yeah you see him like going around on the sky hooks and like doing all these like very specific tasks and bringing down like a gigantic blimp and it's like it, it can that play out differently like how is that going to work yeah. in my game what if i what if i miss when i shoot the blimp like stuff like that like it's it's going to be really really interesting Don't seeing miss. when we actually see that game in action it sounds more that game sounds more ambitious than it ever had to be I mean, yeah. I mean that's kind of the vibe I got from it. Like, why does the game have to be this crazy? Like, because Bioshock was not Bioshock was not cool because of the mechanics of the game. Really, as much as it was cool because I of like the, the, mechanics. Of the the mechanics were great. It's a, it's a totally fluid and fun game. But I thought Rapture was what was really cool about about that game. And so I think that spending the time on the environment and the story and the lore around the game is actually half the battle. And you know, you don't have to go to, so fucking overboard that you you know. That you make the game more complicated. You always hear anecdotes from developers about things that don't work in games and weapons that don't work, weapons that break things, and things that have to be taken out at the last second and all that. And it just seems like maybe they're caught in a loop. Yeah. When they first that. showed Bioshock at E3 2006, that behind closed doors demo, it was it was a very like moody, quiet, disturbing demo where they showed the big daddy and the little sisters and the amazing like water effects trickling down the walls, and they showed off Rapture. And then when they showed Infinite for the first time, it was like this crazy roller coaster ride where like there's a hundred <laughs> things going on at once, and so they're very different. The ways they showed the two games are very different. Yeah, I don't really get how that... I mean, I'm not, like, a super huge Bioshock fan, but I just don't get how that's really Bioshock. But, yeah, and they've, and they've shown all the different enemy types for that game, yep. like, all the different uh, heavies, or or whatever you want to refer to them as. The heavy all hitters, of, yeah. Which, all of which have different uh, attack types and things like that. So it seems like all the behaviors are in place for what the enemies are going to do, but how they actually gate your progress, how they actually say, no, you, this is how powerful you can get in this section, this is how you actually move through the world... Um, that that is stuff I'm still not clear on, and I'm sure that's just because they're not clear on it yet either. They're still working on it. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they have the story in place too. Like we know it's like uh, Columbia was founded by the, these people called the founders, and then there's the Vox, what's it, Daisy Fitzroy or whatever, and the Vox Populi are rising up against them, and it's like this crazy civil war, and you're sort of caught in the middle of it, trying to rescue Elizabeth. Like I, I think story wise, it seems like they know what they're doing. I, I do think at this point it's like mechanical stuff, but, but like I feel like environmentally they. They know. I think it seems like Columbia will be rich in its own way, in the way the Rapture was. Hopefully, I also hope so. Well, that is all the scoops we have for you this week, <laughs> listeners. Remember, you can always reach us at GameScoop at IGN.com if you have any questions for us. I hope uh, everyone, no matter where you are, has a happy Fourth of July. Feel free to celebrate the Fourth of July wherever you are <laughs> in the world, <laughs> even if it means absolutely nothing to you. That's true. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Colin. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, dear listeners. I leave you this week with another song by Artie. It's called Mozart. I think it's even better than the song I played last week. My name is Damon. This is IGN GameScoop. And we're out.
IGN Games Coop. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.